Good afternoon, and welcome to Methods of Madness, Auschwitz Human Experimentation. I'm your co-host, Olivia Royal. And I'm Amelie Zucker. With the unjust balance of our world today, with some claiming to be superior to others simply because of superficial things, like the complexion of one's skin, we wanted to take another look at the central theme of the Black Lives Matter movement, the value of life. Who says what life is worth less or more? Who says that if one person is to die, it would be less tragic than another death of a different skin tone? The theme of value of life is a theme commonly found in other eras of the world as well. In the Holocaust, people were hunted and exterminated because of their race and religion. Jewish people were considered the quote-unquote least valuable, little more than animals, by the Nazis, making it quote-unquote okay for them to be killed or used. This is incredibly similar to the conceived opinion of supremacist and racist in our country today. If someone is black, it's okay for them to be shot or treated with utmost disrespect and disregard. Because Jewish people were considered to be of such low value, the Nazis had no qualms of using them for experiments, some for medical purposes and others simply for curiosity or amusement. Today, we are going to walk you through the surreal medical world of Auschwitz concentration camp, the largest Holocaust concentration camp of World War II. The camp was located in Poland. Over 1.3 million inmates were sent to the quote-unquote camp, with over 1.1 million of them falling to the various extermination methods, the lack of hygiene, the starvation, the brutal labor, or the barbarous experiments, making it the largest mass extermination site in history. As a warning, this podcast contains some incredibly sickening and graphic information. And while it is important to know and understand it, please do be prepared. Now, these experiments are called medical because they were conducted by doctors who claim to be researching things, but they fall very far from the mark due to the inhumane and unethical ways of doing so. Additionally, much of the experiments tried various things that would never be helpful for medical research. In this podcast, we will discuss four of the Auschwitz human experiments conducted on inmates of the camp. All are absolutely horrific, conducted by various criminal doctors under the leadership of Reinsfer SS Heinrich Himmler. However, before we explain them to you, we want to express and answer this question. Why? Why were these disgusting, horrendous acts conducted? What were they hoping to achieve? Why did these doctors participate? Well, there are various answers. The findings were intended to improve the state of soldiers' health or aid post-war plans, including population policy. Others were to reinforce racial ideology, like the eye color experiments, which hoped to change all eyes to blue, the eye color of the superior Aaron race. Some experiments were also conducted on behalf of pharmaceutical companies who used the prisoners as test subjects, injecting them with disease and then testing their medications on them. In terms of the doctors, a few of them had a choice, but there were only a small percentage of them who were truly forced. The others were trying to advance their medical career or simply awful people. And doing the research on the doctors and the criminal acts they committed, that was something we had a hard time understanding just how someone could be so cruel and inhumane. The twin experiments are the first of the five we will talk about today. These are perhaps the most recognized and known of the Auschwitz medical horrors, conducted by Joseph Mengele, better known as the Angel of Death, 
due to his cruel, cold-blooded demeanor. Mengele stood there like a lord, like, like, I don't know if he, he thought he was, he was a god or what. Mengele referred to twins as a type of quote-unquote defect, and he hoped to discover multiple things. The connection between twins, the similarities and differences between them, and if the human body could be unnaturally manipulated, as well as how much pain it could endure. To do this, there were various stages and methods. He usually used one twin as a control and put the other twin through blood transfusions, forced inseminations, injections with disease, amputations, organ removal, often without anesthetics, and sometimes even murder. If a twin were to die, they would be dissected and examined. Their surviving twin would then be killed and inspected to see if the damage done to their sibling was visible on them. Survivors recall that if one twin were to fall sick and pass away, the other twin was murdered, as they had no use for them anymore. Mengele would also inject chemicals like chloroform and phenol into the hearts of twins at the same moment in order to study if both twins would die in the same way and at the same time. Identical twins were often photographed, finger and toe printed, and had plaster casts made of their jaws and teeth. Once the exams were complete, phenol was injected into their heart, killing them instantly. Autopsies and the comparisons of their organs then took place. An example of unnecessary medical knowledge that was done simply for amusement or curiosity was Mengele's attempt to sew two Romani twins together, back to back, to create conjoined twins. Both children died of gangrene a few days after the operation. Absolutely awful. Eva Moses recalls the chaotic selection platform where persons of interest, like twins, were taken. I will never forget that little strip of land called the selection platform, measuring 85 by 35 feet. There is no other strip of land like that anywhere on the face of this earth, where millions of people being ripped apart from their families forever. Eva and her twin sister, Miriam, were spotted and separated from their mother. They never got to say goodbye. From then on, she and Miriam spent hours sitting naked on a bench repeatedly having their bodies measured and compared with one another and being injected with substances that caused reactions or near-death encounters. Eva said, as twins, I knew that we were unique because we were never permitted to interact with anybody in other parts of the camp, but I didn't know I was being used in genetic experiments. Eva said that upon seeing her first corpse, one of many to come, she vowed that she and Miriam would not end up like that. Eva and Miriam were able to survive, however, 2,800 of the original 3,000 twin children passed away during or after the operations. Freezing experiments of Auschwitz originated in 1941 at the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force. Later, Dachau and Auschwitz became the headquarters of the experiments. The experiments consisted of forcing inmates into tanks of freezing water for up to three hours and placing prisoners outside without clothes for several hours in temperatures as low as 21 degrees Fahrenheit. After victims had been frozen, doctors attempted to rewarm some using various methods, while others were studied to examine the effects of cold on a body. One assistant later testified that some victims were, quote-unquote, thrown into boiling water for rewarming. So what exactly? trying to accomplish? Well, they were trying to discover how to prevent and treat hypothermia. 
The freezing water and cold temperatures were supposed to recreate the temperature on the Eastern Front, where German armies were falling ill to the cold fighting the Russians. For this reason, the experiments were often conducted on captured Russian soldiers, as Nazis wondered if their genetics improved their tolerance of the cold. They never found any solutions or cures to hypothermia. Dr. Rasher published his findings at the 1942 quote-unquote medical conference, a data table titled Medical Problems Arising from Sea and Winter. It included the attempt numbers, the water temperature the victim sat in and for how long, how long it took until they died, and the body temperature of the victims when they were removed from the water and when they passed away. Of the 400 subjects, 100 died in this process, and many other victims' immune systems was so impacted they could not fight things like common colds, etc. The next experiments were called eye color experiments. As we mentioned before, they hoped to change everyone to look like part of the iron race. In charge of the experiment was Dr. Joseph Mangley, who had an evident interest in eyes. In fact, one witness recalls a wall of eyes in Mangley's office. Mangley attempted to change the color of eyes, first by injecting serums into the eyes of dozens of children. This caused the children excruciating pain, but no results came about. Thinking it was perhaps his test subject's fault, he forced a Sinti family who had a large amount of heterochromia iridis to be his patient. Heterochromia iridis is a condition that causes variations of iris colors between the eyes or in one eye. This still did not bring results, and so Mangale ordered much of the family killed so as to have their eyes removed and examined. Many say that the experiments were doomed from the start. Mangale wasn't an ophthalmologist, and he insisted on doing the experiments himself. We grieve for the lives lost and the pain these victims had to endure. The third experiment was known as the blood coagulation experiment. These were perhaps some of the most awful. A man named Sigmund Rascher was in charge of the blood coagulation experiments. He hoped to experiment with blood clotting tablets to see their effect with open gunshot wounds, hoping to find a method to use at the front. Rascher experimented with polygal, a tablet made from beet and apple pectin. The pill was supposed to aid blood clotting. He thought that it could potentially help German soldiers not to bleed out. To test his theory, subjects were given such a tablet and then shot in their neck or chest, or sometimes even amputated on without anesthetics. Rasher published an article on his experiment, but didn't detail the human trials or his findings. However, it is thought that he made findings because he set up a company of prisoners to manufacture the substance. Suffice to say, many people died in the experiments. Carl Cloudberg was another doctor who conducted medical experiments at Auschwitz. Cloudberg was in charge of the fertility experiments. The Nazis hoped to be able to sterilize millions of people with quote-unquote defects, such as physical deformities, blindness and deafness, and other quote-unquote diseases like schizophrenia, alcohol abuse, weak-mindedness, etc., quickly and easily. Cloudberg began to experiment in criminal ways. He chose a few hundred women, primarily Jewish, in Roma, from the notorious Block 10 of Auschwitz. Cloudberg was extremely interested in women who had already given birth and were 
between the ages of 20 and 40. Cloudberg would then x-ray the women to make sure there was nothing blocking their ovaries. He then began to inject the cervix of the women with chemicals, trying to block their fallopian tubes. In Auschwitz, it was not a choice to be a patient or not, and few were notified of what was to come. However, Cloudberg intentionally told others what he was going to do to them, and when they stood up against him, he ordered them to be killed in the gas chambers. He would tell the woman their date of death, and then evaluate how the knowledge affected their menaces. After they were murdered, they were dissected and inspected. Some women were even raped after being told their date so that doctors could track the sperm through their bodies. Cloudberg's awful methods seemed to work. The special chemicals would irritate the fallopian tubes, and after a few weeks' excruciatingly painful infection, they would grow together. X-rays were done to check the effectiveness. The procedures, of course, were brutal and were often filled with complications. Perotonitis and hemorrhages in the reproductive tract were common, and they led to high fever and sepsis. After that, organ failure and death would often follow. Cloudberg also killed some of his Jewish patients intentionally to inspect the effects of the chemicals. After months of this experiment, another doctor, Horst Schumann, attempted another way of sterilization. This time he gave men and women x-rays in their stomach areas for long periods of time, causing severe stomach burns. Letters from Cloudberg to Himmler were found after the liberation of the camp. In one of them, Cloudberg wrote, The non-surgical method of sterilizing women that I have invented is now almost perfected. As for the questions that you have directed to me, sir, I can today answer them in the way that I had anticipated. If the research that I am carrying out continues to yield the sort of results that it has produced so far, and there is no reason to suppose that this shall not be the case, then I shall be able to report that in the foreseeable future, that one experienced physician with an appropriately equipped office and the aid of 10 auxiliary personnel will be able to carry out in the course of a single day the sterilization of hundreds or even 1,000 women. In the four years that they conducted these experiments, Cloudberg sterilized 300,000 people using his chemical method, Schwamann's radiation method, and a small number of surgical processes. The government sterilized a further 100,000 people using these excruciating methods in a sterilization program. These were the four major medical experiments of Auschwitz. Of course, we would like to express that these experiments, conducted of people of quote-unquote lesser value, awful, are very different from the awful injustices of our world today. There are many different reasons, some included the times and the ways of showing value. However, this was a semi-similar example we thought was worth educating people on and showing how there have always been people of quote-unquote less value, something we need to change. Where exactly did this research go, you may ask? Has any of it been used in modern medical research? Well, most of it was never published, and when the criminal doctors of Auschwitz fled from the camp before its liberation, many of them took their research with them, and they were never found again. Any of the information that was left behind was mostly useless. The twin experiments were more of a sick fascination than something that actually produced results. The freezing experiments were the only one of the studies published, and the data has been helpful with some hypothermia research, which has sparked many ethical debates. We now have better ways to prevent excess blood loss, as we have more effective, safe ways of sterilization. So no, most of the data from these experiments have not been used for any medical or scientific results. While we can't say we hope you enjoyed this podcast, we hope that you learned something from it.
We hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. And remember to do something for your mental health because this is a very discouraging topic.